your host, Mia Schachter. I use they, them pronouns, and I'm a bit gender nebulous, a term that I made up and you can use if you like it. I'm an intimacy coordinator for TV and film, a boundary guide for individuals and couples, and a consent educator. My interest in this work is mostly in consent, gender, and power dynamics. I offer Zoom classes live and for download through my website, and private consent lessons and boundary sessions too. Today I'm talking to Xenon Universe, who is a porn performer, model, and artist. Hi, Xenon. Hi, Welcome. Hi, thank you. It's Hi. good to be here. Yeah, good to have you. Um, okay, so I'm already curious where the line is between all three of these things, porn performer, model, and artist, and if there maybe isn't a line and where you see them kind of overlapping. I feel like they're all, it's like a constellation. Like they're these different main points of my career and they all kind of like tie into each other in one way or another. Because like when I'm doing porn, I'm usually like also modeling. Like I'm also taking pictures. I'm taking stills of my scene partners or both of us. Um, and like when I'm doing my art, there tends to be like nudity and like um, sex and like erotic undertones and um, you know, modeling just because there's really no barrier for me. Like I'm not limited by what I will do in each of these things. And they all kind of like go hand in hand. Um, Cause I'm also like, you know, styling looks and like setting things up and, you know, having it a certain way where like, yeah, they all kind of hold hands. <laughs> cool. So it sounds like those those themes then maybe have been part of your life for a long time. Yeah, I've always been like really fascinated with art and I would say that's where I began, just like rooted in art, um, looking at photographs, drawing, painting, um, taking pictures, doing makeup. Uh, that was what I kind of settled into. When I got older, I was just mostly like painting and and doing crazy collages and fucking around and then uh, when I got into finding a career I found a career in makeup artistry so that's what I was doing before I got into the porn <laughs> the porn <laughs> um well that also helps me um understand like I've seen your incredible makeup and always been like where are they getting like this is amazing yeah very very artful um makeup and it, I you. didn't realize that you had a background as a makeup artist yeah that's where I started so yeah I really like to incorporate all those different things and like all my skills like I just like to pour everything I have into what I'm doing um yeah cool um, and is your, so your art is mostly um, photography? Yeah, what I do specifically, um, if I'm taking pictures of other people, is I'll use my Polaroid camera um, or just my phone. I'm not really too fussed about mediums because mm -hmm. I feel like with Polaroids, it's, it feels really personal to me. And like, I'm creating something like truly tangible that I can't really like fuck with it after. I'm not going to edit. I'm just going to like make it. And then it is what it is, little baby. Mm. Um, <laughs> so that's what I do. And I mean, I've modeled for all kinds of people who have all kinds of different equipment and setups and things. Um, it's a really interesting 
odd form really. Yeah, I'm art. My my mind is immediately going to like. I'm super curious about your thoughts on consent as a photographer and as like as someone behind a camera and someone in front of a camera, and, like how those are different. Yeah, I feel like when I'm taking pictures of other people, like it's usually tying into me filming a scene with someone. Like I have done shoots where I'm only doing photos. And there's no video involved but usually it's like i'm doing a scene and i want to capture like moments of what we're doing on film um so since we've already gone over boundaries and things regarding the scene that we're shooting it really just ties in again to photos i make sure and ask them well what would you like to capture i, I try to you know get get it from them like what do they want to create it's not my idea is kind of secondary i just like um, fleshing things out that people, you know, always wanted to. Because sometimes on shoots, when you're just modeling for a photographer, you don't really get that opportunity. It's more about what their concept is and what they're like hiring you to do, basically. But um, when I'm filming with friends, I really try to make it a collaborative experience and ask them what they want. And if it's okay to shoot, you know, at certain points, you know, in the shoot or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I find it really easy. <laughs> Um, but I've had experiences where I'm like modeling for photographers and they will like adjust you without asking or just bring things on you like hey maybe you'd want to pull that aside or maybe I could stick it in or whatever (laughs) but yeah sometimes boundaries get blurred seems Mm. um I've had a situation where somebody was just erect, like nothing was going on and there was like no alluding to this is going to happen, but they were shooting me erect. Hmm. So <laughs> that was um, an interesting experience. I didn't feel like I was in any danger, but it was definitely like, it's there. I can mm-hmm. see it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wow. Interesting. That just seems like a bit of a lack of self-awareness and also not like acknowledging or even being like, I'm going to take a minute. Yeah. Cause I definitely wouldn't judge anybody if they yeah. need to take a minute. Um, however, it was just, it was just strange like to just, and then when I'm modeling, I'm also like really in the zone because I've been in situations where there's like other people around like I can't just shut down and not do what I'm doing um so I'm just like okay I'm posing and I'm doing what I'm supposed to do and I'm just acutely aware that there's an erect penis in the room <laughs> oh, hmm. So, okay, so you've now mentioned like people sort of surprising you with things. Um, That's a really important part about the work that I do, particularly on sets, is doing our best to eliminate surprises. Um, And what I hear a lot about, um, both in my work and elsewhere, is like that experience being so common, like agreeing on something ahead of time. And then in the moment being like, well, I'd like to try this. And, you know, there's, there's like a very genuine way that that happens. And I feel like we talked about this actually on the Pornhub panel. Um, There's a very genuine way that that happens where like, you can't, 
predict everything that is going to happen. And so sometimes you're in the moment and you're, your brain is firing and you're like, oh my gosh, we could try this. Like, what about this? What about this? And then there's a sort of um, manipulative way that that happens where people are like aware, whether, whether or not they are consciously aware, they are like capitalizing on the, the knowledge that you are already in a vulnerable place. And so it would be easy to get you to do something a little bit beyond what was agreed upon ahead of time. My question is, are you able to differentiate between those two different things, those two different experiences? And what is it like for you on the sort of receiving end of either one of them? Well, I definitely know the difference. Like I've had different experiences, like under the same umbrella of this isn't cool. Like in one particular issue that I had, Um, we had agreed on many things it was really important focused so like I knew what was to come but the only thing was every part of it was dragged out for really really long like I'm accustomed to when I'm working with somebody it takes as much time as it takes but also we are respectful of each other's time and we make sure that we're moving at a certain pace we wrap up at a certain time but this person was like at every step of the way no, we need to do like five more minutes of this. Or I need to shoot this again. Or, you know, just over and over and over. Um, and I'm already in these positions where I'm like on my knees on the floor. Like right. it's, it's not great <laughs> for your body. So it's kind of like, let's wrap it up. Or I've been in situations where I'm like, I'm expected to fluff mm. or do more than what's kind of like, I, I shouldn't have to like continuously keep you hard. Like- that's kind of not part of the agreement and sometimes those things get slipped in like oh can you help me oh can you help me like that kind of thing yeah so I just know like immediately when those it's like it's kind of like little micro things like they feel like they can just like slip things in or because we're already doing this you can do this you know um so I can definitely tell the difference between that and somebody's like okay we're doing this we do this And then they stop even if they get soft, like they get back on it when it's time to like shoot again, you know, Mm -hmm. I expect that people will take care of that on their own. Um, And I've had such like a wealth of experience that I can tell the difference at this point. It's like night and day. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm trying to imagine like proceeding past that feeling of like, oh, one of these today. And then like having to get back into a scene and like be vulnerable and, and enjoy yourself. I mean, I think like, I, I, of course you're at work, like this is your job, but you want to like enjoy your day at work. And also yeah. like part of what you're trying to sell is pleasure. Yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know. Can you share your thoughts on that? Well, I feel like at this point, I've learned that I can't just work with anyone Mm -hmm. who wants to work with me. Like, I feel like I really need to have some degree of like friendship or have spent enough time with this person to know that, yeah, well, we are good to fit to shoot, you know? Um, I've had many instances where I would like work with somebody spontaneously didn't really know them that well 
and it wasn't great because we didn't really communicate and I just assumed that everybody's as professional and together as I am (laughs) yeah so sometimes that doesn't always make for like a great connection and I feel like the enjoyment doesn't arise because I want that that's that's my main goal when I'm filming is to capture something genuine right and something that is genuinely pleasurable for both of us so I've had to let some content go that you know doesn't really reflect that okay so I feel like we've kind of hit on something that has really been on my mind lately that I want to dive deeper into which is please um like being picky as uh like a a place where you sort of I'm gonna say get to arrive except that it's kind of like a choice it's a it's a choice to be more confident to a certain extent and to be like I'm gonna I'm allowed to be picky I'm allowed to be very choosy about the work that I take what I'm encountering in in particularly my work in tv is I only want to work on sets where they want me because of me not because they need an intimacy coordinator and I'm the first name that came to them and you know I had an experience recently where I was like a director basically told me that I had to like report back to him everything that I said to an actor or like clear it with him beforehand and I you know it was like pretty clearly a power grab it was like a control move you know, I, like I do a lot of coddling fragile male egos in this work and especially like teaching consent. Um, but I'm kind of at a point with that work where I'm like, you know, if you want anybody, I've got a list of people I can send you. If you want me, then we can talk. And I'm also like willing to work with certain people. And there's just other people that I've had really negative experiences with where I have to like defend my presence on set you know, like defend my existence and really cater to like someone's fears about my job existing at all. Yeah. I, it's, it's just amazing to hear you bring that up about like being really choosy about who you work with, but I'm also, I'm like super interested in how that is something that comes out of confidence and a certain amount of experience. It's also a privilege in a way, like you really have to get over this like mental hurdle of scarcity thinking that there's not going to be enough work to the point where like you have to take absolutely any job that comes your way um, or to like make a name for yourself or like meet more people because you don't know enough people or whatever that is. So I would love to hear about your process of getting to that point and like setting those boundaries for yourself and being like, I'm choosing to like trust that more work will come (laughs) and that I'm not going to take the scraps or the crumbs, like just because it's being offered to me? Yeah. Um, I think in the beginning when I got my start, I was definitely feeling the pressure of, I need to dive deep. I need to shoot with as many people as I possibly can. Like I need to do this and this and this and like make a name for myself, as you said. Mm -hmm. And then as I went on, And I think, you know, in the earlys, I was also trying to be a very specific person. I was trying Mm -hmm. to be a very specific, uh, convey a very specific image on camera and stuff, performing as a woman, et cetera. Um, Being fat, being brown, being many different things at once was a lot. 
And as I went on, I realized that my formula was not working because Mm. I kept having those difficult experiences and then wondering, what am I doing wrong? And I realized I wasn't diving deep enough into the right place. Like I was focused on all of this and doing all of this and producing all of this. And then I wasn't diving into who am I shooting with? Right. Which was like the really, the missing piece. Um, And I feel like at this point I've gotten enough experience. Like I've worked with enough people that I know I would definitely, because I've already worked with them two, three, four times. I know I would work with them again. Um, And I know that there are other people like them that I will find, but I just have a different formula for how I do it now. And it does come with being really picky and really choosy. And at this point, just saying, I'm mostly going to work with my close friends who I've already worked with several times. Right. And yeah, and I do have that confidence and stuff since I have transitioned and that also, because the pool really isn't that large, if you're thinking of it from from those perspectives, but it's definitely more beneficial in the end, because at least I know I'll have my sanity. Yeah. And I'll have the work that I want to produce, truly. Right. Especially, I think, like, with hearing about your work as an artist, that level of, like, integrity and commitment to authenticity feels like it can turn almost anything that you touch into art because it gets sort of um, processed through that very clear voice and message. Um, And I'm also hearing like, you're talking about, you know, you asked the question, what am I doing wrong? And what struck me about that was that it's almost like what you were doing wrong was not being yourself. Yeah, it was also that because I really didn't know myself well enough to know how to connect with somebody else, even on camera. Like I thought that I knew Mm. because I was trying to, I don't know, conduct this huge formula about what being a woman in porn is supposed to be. A lot of like performing on top of performing on top of performing. Yeah, (laughs) yes, definitely. And (laughs) there's like authentic performance, there's like artful performance, and then there's really inauthentic performance. And that's not like a criticism. It's like something that we all find ourselves doing, like performing for a certain gaze or performing womanhood as you and I both have experienced doing. My Patreon is now a community site for DIY self-paced learning. I share assignments, journal prompts, media examples of consent and boundaries, discount codes, my own writing on boundaries and consent, the medical industry, and other things that I'm thinking about all the time. I share papers, articles, lectures, and more, and you also get access to the Patreon-only Discord channel. Patreon is a great way to support the show, but there are other ways that don't cost money. You can rate, subscribe, and write a review wherever you listen and share the show with your friends. All of that is deeply appreciated. I'm currently taking private clients. You can find out more about that in the Work With Me tab on my website, sharetheloadinc.com, and schedule a call to see if we're a good fit. I I think for me, it's definitely like a mix, even when... I wasn't being my true self. I was giving myself 
giving of myself to the camera and to my scene partner and like really doing the best that I could but at the same time I was also hiding in all of it and you know all my emotions and feelings towards my gender identity all of that was buried like within the furthest reaches inside of me so it took a lot to consolidate all of that and bring it out and have the courage to say I'm not going to perform like this anymore I'm just going to be me um that was daunting yeah (laughs) a long time (laughs) yeah uh yeah but I got through it and I'm there now and I feel like at this point it's it's the best that it could ever be and I think you know once things get a little bit better in the world like I'm gonna be unstoppable and like the performing side of it because um I'm still getting used to it um you know my new body on on camera but it's it feels more natural than anything I've even even anything I've ever done um even though it's like I'm a shaky fawn like trying mm-hmm. to walk it's it's still like it's good you know it's it's not bad that's so, such yeah. a sweet image a shaky fawn <laughs> Okay, so I'm hearing that through transitioning and being um, more authentic to your true self, you've been able to access that confidence to be pickier, set boundaries, only do the work that you want to do. What has that allowed you to do that you maybe didn't even know that you were kind of holding yourself back from? I mean, just being totally honest, like not, I don't have any fear anymore. Like I used to have all this fear about like pleasing my scene partner and like um, making a certain thing for the audience or, you know, whatever. But now I just, I don't have that. I feel like fearless. Like I can say anything to the person I'm choosing with. I can say no, I can assert boundaries the right way. Um, I can say I don't like something in the moment. Um, I was always such a people pleaser. Like (laughs) I wouldn't want to speak up no matter what, but I feel like at this point it's easy to speak, you know, at the drop of a pen if I don't like something, if I want to change something or whatever. Um, Yeah, I didn't think I could be like that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Wow. So now when you like witness yourself do that, what, how does that feel? It kind of feels like I'm standing outside of my body looking at what's going on because I would completely freeze and shut down usually. Like that's how I would usually respond. Like even if I'm like continuing what I'm doing physically, like emotionally and mentally, I'm somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, wow, I'm like really present in myself. It's kind of shocking, but also liberating. And it feels really, really good. Wow. That's amazing. It's, that's amazing because that's something, or like one thing that's standing out to me that's amazing about that is that it's um, those qualities that you're talking about of like being like really people pleasing and, and like, you know, wanting to do a good job and all that stuff, like for other people, um, tying that to gender dysphoria, I would imagine that a lot of, I mean, I, I'm identifying with that experience. Um, and I, you know, I'm like, um, non-binary and gender queer and I, I'm 
I don't really experience much dysphoria. Um, and I've been having the experience recently of like having made the very clear, um, I don't even know how to, what to call it, like announcement sounds really weird, but like <laughs> saying, you know, these are my pronouns and they're really not optional. It's not like a right. she or they situation <laughs> anymore. It's like, this is really yeah. like, if I hear someone referring to me as she or her, I, tr I truly have a moment of like not knowing, knowing who they're talking about. And it takes me a moment to yeah. like come back and be like, oh, I get it. They're talking about me and they just don't know or whatever. Um, so what has been happening to, to me lately and particularly last week was like really, really brutal with, with pronouns. What I'm noticing is like, as I'm doing more things in public, um, like I was interviewed in front of 200 people in a zoom. And then the next day I taught a class in front of like 150 people in a zoom. And so mm -hmm. I was like in the chat constantly, um, getting misgendered. And then I also had this like really horrible experience with a therapist. I had a first therapy session with someone and the, um, the intake forms asked what my preferred pronouns are. And I, I already really hate when they are called preferred. They're not a preference. No, um, no. And that's like something that I feel like has been outdated already for like a while. So yeah. when I see that still, I'm like, mm, clearly no one in your practice is actually like a member of this community or like this question is not actually, um, uh, coming from someone who wants that question to be asked, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, yeah. and then, and then I was like misgendered on the phone before I was asked my pronouns. And then I had the, the, the session with the therapist and she asked me my pronouns again. And I was like, how is it that, you know, my name, but you don't know my pronouns. Like, didn't you get my name off the same intake form that asked me my pronouns. And by the way, my last therapist, I left because she could not get my pronouns. And on our final session, she was like, you just have to keep reminding me. And I was like, no, you have to practice. That's not my job. Um, yeah. and so with this new therapist, she asked me my pronouns again. And then, um, and then she said, how do you, so how do you want me to refer to you? And I kind of had this moment of like, well, what, why did you ask me that then? Like, if, if you don't know how to refer to, that's how I want you to refer to me, like with those pronouns or my name. Right. And she said, so I either have to call you Mia or I have to say they or them. And I really hate this. I have to bullshit. Like this is, I'm not making you do anything like, you know, you're not making me call you by your name your name is your name and your pronouns are your pronouns. Like you're not, I'm not making you do shit. So then she tried to segue into like, what, um, you know, what brings you to therapy? And I was like, I need to actually like hang on for a second because I'm getting some red flags here. Like this, this intake form, the question on your intake form is now really starting to feel a bit performative and like virtue signaling, right. because if you don't actually know how to use it or what it means, then it's not really helpful. And in fact, it's giving me a pretty serious false sense of safety. I'm starting right. to see that even with like emails in, you know, pronouns in email signatures. It's like, I'm seeing she, her, and hers in, in email signatures, but then you're misgendering me in our emails where I'm getting CC'd. So 
if you're putting your pronouns in your email signature, but not then actively looking for other people's pronouns in their email signature, then you're, you're, you're faking it. You're right. faking it. So, so anyway, I had this like two days of just back to back to back to back, like left and right being misgendered. It was fucking exhausting. And I got so hyper vigilant afterwards that I like had dinner with my parents and my dad misgendered me at the table. He's really working on it. I really have faith in him. He's getting there. Um, and I, in my mind, I was like, okay, you promised yourself, like you were going to be patient the next time he did this. And you were just going to very nicely say, um, can you try that sentence again? I had like prepared myself for that, but I was so worked up. I was so activated that I hit the table and just snapped at him. And I then was mortified. I was so upset with myself. So I was like, I had promised that I was going to be patient. I was going to be kind. I was going to be compassionate. And I just fucked it up. And now my dad is going to be afraid of me. He's going to, you know, he's going to get really nervous around me. And it was, it was devastating, but what came out of it was this really beautiful and that's like long winded way to get back to what we've been talking about, which is that, um, what it, what came to light through conversations with numerous people, including my incredible business coach was that this was what this was showing me, like, cause the feeling that I was having was that my, like my aura was porous. Like I was being invaded, you know? And, and what I felt was this, these like walls going up. I felt myself, you know, the walls aren't boundaries. Like walls are things that we do because we can't set boundaries and we're just like fortressing ourselves in. And so I felt those walls going up. I started getting, because this was all happening in public, I started getting all these emails and requests and DMS for like, teach a class, do this, do that. While like simultaneously getting misgendered on people's like Instagram, you know, like it was just nonstop. And I was getting all this new attention and it felt promising. It felt like, Oh, cool. Like this is, this is, furthering my career or whatever. But at the same time, I felt all this resistance. I felt my like avoidant attachment style being activated where I was like, I don't want to work with you and I don't want to work with you or you or you. So that's like the picky thing that we've been talking about is the confidence that it takes on my part to be like, you know what? I'm going to pass you to somebody else or like, thank you, but no, thank you. And the, the thing that came to light through these conversations was that when I'm feeling my walls go up like that and I'm feeling this resistance and avoidance um, because I feel like I'm being um, invaded in that way, uh, it's an invitation in that moment to reassess and update my boundaries. Right, yeah. (sighs) I'm sorry. (laughs) I have to go through all of that. Yeah, it was really annoying. (sighs) Yeah, I have similar experiences. I've been seeing my therapist for almost a year and she still messes up my pronouns. And I was like, Mm. I came to you specifically because I was working through a lot of things with my gender and figuring out, do I really want to have top surgery? Do I want to take hormones? Like all these different things. I correct her every time. Mm. So that definitely doesn't work. Just correcting someone over and over doesn't solve the problem. And she asked, you know, is there anything I can do better? I'm like, yep, I yes. have one critique. You just need to get my pronouns right. Because in every other way, she's great. But for some reason, she just doesn't get my pronouns right. And 
that also ties in to the pickiness again because at this stage if somebody can't respect my identity we can't work together right right okay so that point is so huge because there's something about like when your identity has always been your identity even before you had top surgery and there's something about like the promise of legibility that makes it feel like if someone if someone can't get it right like what do we need to look like for you um you know for for me it's like we're in a zoom my pronouns are in my zoom name if you are not looking there where should they be do they need to be tattooed (laughs) to my face you know like they're right here um so i'm i'm just what i'm hearing from 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 you is that like the the commitment that you've made to your own identity and to your own authenticity has totally lowered your tolerance for anyone who's not willing to engage on that level or not willing to understand yes completely like I'm I'm at this stage where like I'm in the sun I'm no longer buried like I actually give a fuck about my agency and what I'm doing here um, I care about myself. I value myself way more greatly than I ever did. Mm-hmm. So it's really important that I work with people who value me in the same way that I value myself, even on a professional, because that's all I'm really looking for is just that on a professional level, right. if it's further and like we're friends, that's great. And I have that experience. So like, I'm really grateful for that. And that also comes from like working with other trans people that really helps me get things in perspective and like I learned so much about myself and how I like to interact with my scene partners I've made some of the best work with other trans people because they understand yeah how important it is and you know how volatile that feels but before I, I didn't know how to identify it I didn't know what was going on with me for a long time so it was really hard but like now that I'm aware of it I'm so aware of myself now. Mm-hmm. Um, I just know what I can deal with versus what I can't and if somebody can't use my pronouns use my name treat me the way I'm I'm meant to be treated like for example when I was already out and I didn't have like surgery or anything yet but it doesn't matter right. um, I was it doesn't matter I was considering working with this guy and I ended up changing my mind because when we hung out, he kept putting his hand on the small of my back. Nope. And nope. I'm like, if you viewed me as male, you nope. probably wouldn't be doing this. No. Nope. Um, and I also didn't ask for that because I can walk. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can walk. So I don't, and that doesn't help anyone. It Mm -hmm. doesn't do anything. It just, for me, it just feels like condescending. It feels sexist. It feels Mm -hmm. something that is definitely like rooted in misogyny. And I don't want that. So I knew immediately and then it never happened. So I'm like, good. Um, But yeah, it's just those little things sometimes that can really give me like a clear picture of how somebody sees me it's I don't know if it's a look I've had experiences where people like they don't know what to make of me Mm -hmm. they're not sure if if they're gay 
they're turning gay by the second oh my God. just like yeah <laughs> I can see the wheels turning and them questioning their sexuality as it goes on and I'm like that's not my problem <laughs> no no so to avoid all of that I'm extremely picky but it's worth it because then I don't have to work with dumb men who are afraid of being gay or oh like you know like <laughs> I'm very much like no straight men because it just doesn't work. I probably mentioned this on Twitter like more than a few times that they just don't get it and they want me to be a girl for them. Hmm. Or they'll ask me like, oh, you're transitioning like now all of a sudden. <laughs> like they can't, they can't believe it. At this one guy, he, oh my God, he's so prolific and has done like so much work and he asked me that specifically he was like you're transitioning into a man like right now and I'm just like when when was I what? supposed to have done this like what? I don't I didn't get that he was just what? like very confused what do you think he <laughs> meant by that like why why now what's what is that even asking like I guess he like couldn't fathom that somebody that looks like me would want to transition into a man <laughs> now I mean I don't I still don't know what it means because uh, yeah there's so much about that question that doesn't make sense or I mean it it completely doesn't understand that like gender identity is internal and not external obviously it's like missing missing that right off the bat yeah but yeah the question about timing I'm like what when is the right moment to you, sir? Exactly. Like, believe me, if I could have said it when I was born, I would have corrected the doctor, but sure. I couldn't. But the only difference, like, I was, I've always been this way. I just didn't get the gender assignment that I was meant to get. Right. For all intents and purposes, I was meant to be born this way. And I like my body this way. And no trans or non-binary person has to justify their transition or not transitioning or you know whatever but for me it's just been like I changed my name I use the pronouns that work um I had top surgery I just kind of do my own thing now yeah like it's just me not not much has changed like it's still me I'm still me inherently I'm just not doing all of these things like putting on these clothes and putting on five pounds of makeup and mm -hmm. you know trying to be this Coke bottle fantasy of a woman thing mm -hmm. so um I guess a lot of people don't get it again not my problem yeah yeah because like queer men honestly are not that much better I I've know. had people ask me are you on hormones when are you gonna be on hormones mm. is that happening like are you doing this are you doing that blah 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 like they don't see me as a real guy yeah you know especially before my top surgery it was just like crickets like nobody right. wanted to hear about what I had to say because they're just like you have tits and like too big <laughs> oh my god it's like if they're smaller or you have like the ability to hide it I feel like you you definitely like get more respect which is stupid like yeah. it doesn't make any sense so like people expect that you're like three years on hormones or that you're gonna right. like you're gonna do it and you're gonna like do it all the way I've had people say like if you want them to respect you and see you that way then you should do those things 
Right, cut your hair. Like Yeah, people still ask me, when are you cutting your hair? People oh still God. ask me that question. <laughs> Have they never seen a man in a metal band? <laughs> By and large, most of the men that I gravitated towards, like, admiring were men with long hair. Yeah, me too. <laughs> There's a reason why I am the way I am. Like, I just gravitate towards those people because they are so outside of the norm or whatever not really but like yeah because um I also have you know indigenous roots and I don't have the same relationship with hair that I guess most mm. people would have but for me it's just like it always feels like my strength you know like my great-grandmother and all her sisters grew their hair like long to their backs um I don't know I just I don't want my trans identity colonized all this short hair and button. I know I'm wearing a button down shirt, but this is not <laughs> the usual for me. Like this is more of an occasional thing. For anyone listening, all... it has butterflies on it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm definitely not, I guess a typical, but I was always like that. Um, and I think that it's good that I had the experience that I had because it allowed me to safely be feminine and soft and sensitive and I can cry without getting slapped in the face Mm -hmm. and told that I'm less of a person because of that but it was also very damaging because I knew deep down that I wanted something different from myself so at this point I'm really not prepared to sacrifice any more of myself for a person or for a job or for an image or whatever because I only have everything to lose and nothing to gain Mm mm-hmm you know, I've been thinking a lot about, um, are you familiar with Gabor Mate's work at all? I don't think so. He wrote this book called When the Body Says No about um, how like suppressing your no and having or not learning that you can have boundaries. I think that's a good way to say it. Is It, it causes disease, like literally causes degenerative illnesses and cancer, tumors, ALS. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and there's, there's all kinds of evidence for this. Like this is, this is not, and it's not even news. It's like old science. It's like decades old science at this point. And it's not really even still like not making it into kind of um, industrial medicine. So I've been thinking a lot lately about how saying no is literal medicine. It's actually keeping you healthy or healing you and how every time that my body says no honoring that no is in service of my health and healing yes and I I would even extend that and this is I think Gabor Mate also talks about how like authenticity like being your authentic self is medicine it is healing it is the an easy way to prevent illness and I have a lot of chronic like autoimmune gut issues and I have from birth and one of the things that I'm trying to pursue right now through various alternative medicines is it seems to me like my body was saying no straight out of the gate like I came four weeks early I was breech and I was a c-section and I think that there were like inherited ancestral no's in my body that were being then further suppressed by our culture, by, um, you know, the way that I grew up, the way that 
AFAB people are taught to bend and cower to fit everyone else's needs. Yes. Um, yeah. And I think that part of like, part of being, I almost want to say anti-binary instead of non-binary, <laughs> like, like yeah. fervently against binaries in all forms. Um, like part of that is about um, that. No, it's like, I'm saying no to, to so much that I learned about how I should be, who I should be and who I'm living for. Um, so I'm finding like, I'm finding no's in, in new corners and crevices all throughout my life. And I, I'm just, I'm like, so relating to what you're talking about, about this, this pickiness, like people are so quick to kind of, um, knock judgment, like being judgmental is such a bad thing, but having judgment is really important, really, really important. And honing that judgment and pickiness is part of that. There's like, there's such a mentality that like, if you're too picky, no one will want you. And I, I get that messaging, like even still from my mom, you know, as like, non-binary, queer, polyamorous, like all these things that have gotten tacked onto my identity, my mom still sort of has this attitude that I'm like limiting myself. When I experience it as the complete opposite, like every time I find a new thing about myself that reduces the pool of people that are allowed in my life, I feel expanded by that. I feel liberated by that. So do I. I love being so secure and strong in myself. Like, I can't believe it took me this long to get Mm. here because it's been a long road of people telling me I can't say no in so many different ways from just full on like abusive relationships to, like you said, the way that you're raised in society as somebody who's assigned female at birth. Um, But I kind of look at it as being a bird of paradise I don't Mm. know if you know about those birds but for the people who don't know basically the females are so picky that the males have had to evolve over centuries to be better and to be more gorgeous and to be more skilled in the little things that they know how to do so that they can attract a mate wow so all she has to do is choose or not and a lot of males never mate with a female because they're so picky wow. um but that's how it is and I kind of look at it like that like if I'm that picky I will get the best yeah right. I might not get a lot of it all the time but I will get the best and it will it'll carry like it will build on itself because yeah. obviously I'm not a bird <laughs> I'm not looking for a mate <laughs> Yeah, it'll build and it'll carry. It'll it'll also make its way into like it'll elevate your work. It'll elevate your art. Yeah, exactly. And again, that is not worth like watering down Mm-mm. or you know sacrificing you know my comfort and my stability within myself because I felt the physical effects of having to go through those experiences. Like you kind of feel like it's just mental, but it's other things. Like I've had, you know, sexual problems. Like I've had like a lot of vaginal issues, like all kinds of things from the stress and Mm -hmm. all the harrowing, like things that I've had to deal with that I'm like, don't deal with it, disassociate, you know, just like burying myself all of that is now gone. Yeah. <laughs> like things have improved so much with my health and 
and everything else. I still have things to deal with, but physically I'm doing so much better. Good. Gosh. I'm <laughs> so you. glad to hear that. It's really, it, it really is medicine. Like being yourself yeah. is medicine. That's also making me think about like the, like what an incredible toxin it is to like con- conformity how destructive conformity is yeah I think it's the most potent neurotoxin that exists yeah. it just adds so much pressure and stress and turmoil to me it's like it's no different than you know western religion like it's totally. just just making you feel ashamed of everything right because you're not the norm you're not like everybody else and I felt that a lot growing up like feeling like I'm an outsider like I don't fit in like there's no one no place for me where did you grow up really I really talk about it publicly oh Oh, okay (laughs) I hope that's okay no totally um yeah my country's super small and it's just it's complicated um (laughs) but I mean I grew up with that whole feeling you know for my society standards I'm really different I'm basically a freak <laughs> um <laughs> here I blend in really well because I think it's just bigger and you have a lot more going on here like mm-hmm. you find communities that you fit in like no matter where you go there there'll be something for you probably but where I'm from where it's like a two by two cardboard box there's like not much happening Hmm. it's all and it's all very hive mind because of being colonized and indoctrination and like lots of things so it's kind of like we all think this because the bible says right and if you don't believe that it's just like you're from another planet so I've had to deal with that a lot and it just doesn't feel good it feels like you're in a net that you can't get out of like no matter how you try there's there's not a big enough space you to slip out of and be in the world mm-hmm. and experience the things that you want to experience like it's just pure depression hmm. feeling so trapped yeah and I was I'm glad that I was able to like move away from that and that's how I was able to like really do this job and you know find people like me like really build those connections with people who understand because feeling like you're all alone in situations like those I mean that that's that's a killer yeah I think a lot about insecurity as a toxin I think conformity is right up there too which which is nice because then like their their counterparts are the medicine like confidence security and um uh authenticity like in you know being yourself and and figuring out who that is like a commitment to figuring that out for yourself and and not being willing to be pushed into a box I had to take the leap and like instead of running from myself like really face myself and give myself a hug yeah because (laughs) because that also is a trap yeah like feeling like you can't be yourself and feeling there's no way for you to be yourself and facing up to yourself is hard yeah it's not easy right but I'm glad I was able to do it (laughs) I'm glad for both of us (laughs) um okay on that note um my question for you before we go is (laughs) what are the three things 
that have influenced you um, in terms of the way that you think today, whether that's books, movies, TV, art, conversations you've had, people in your life, um, any anything? I think the first thing, like I said before, definitely like my relationships with other trans people. Mm. Like that has been so integral to making me like getting me to this point in my life where I am so self-aware so honest with myself like being my authentic self like getting to know these people and just how amazing they are and like everything that I've been able to experience with these people really was a big part to getting me here other things I would definitely say music I can cite quite a few artists who've like gotten me through really difficult times like especially in my transition that mm-hmm. has kept me going um okay yeah I'd like to hear um, like maybe two of them <laughs> three of them uh Kali Uchis is one um when I discovered her music I was just like who the fuck is this and I needed to hear everything immediately I was like how did I not know this is a person that existed and I don't know like her music just literally like put sunlight in my life like I felt like I could see things about myself more clearly like because I was really being resistant um really resisting my femininity for a while early in my transition and that was scaring me Mm. because I'm like maybe I don't want to be this guy with a beard or whatever like it it was so weird I'm like do I have to do this I don't want to do this can I say no yeah and you know what was her name Kali Uchis can you Um, spell that K-A-L-I-U-C-H-I-S okay great yeah cool um Emma Ruth Rundle is another one um she's incredible I'm really glad I was able to like see her live and stuff once and the before times uh-huh. <laughs> oh my god her music is so honest and soulful and just like it cuts so deep I love it and she's gotten me through like a lot of heartache um I can't thank her enough I'm I'm so happy that they're incredible women making music um it's really just the best and jungle pussy because yeah she literally said this pussy don't pop for you (laughs) and I relate to that so much Mm -hmm. um so there's three um (laughs) great yeah and I guess one last thing I mean just self-care like looking inwards really giving myself that time and understanding and compassion I never gave myself like I felt that that part of me was literally like a neglected little boy that hasn't seen the sun like ever I had to take a lot of time and consolidate a lot of things it was so introspective and it took so much courage to do because I'm sorry Mm -hmm. um it's not easy (laughs) to like you know, hold that little person inside of you and like nurture them mm-hmm. off so long. Um, but doing that like really helps me a lot. So those are my things. Those are my main things. <laughs> hmm. 
Thank you for sharing that. I'm getting emotional too. Oh, thank you for listening. (laughs) Yeah, that little kid. That little kid trying to be so many things for so many different people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, to let them know that they can experience and like be present and grow up. Yeah. Be the person that they really wanted to be like in the beginning. Um, Yeah basically telling them you were never wrong (laughs) yeah you were very right actually yes (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah so much of of adult life I feel is like trying to get back in touch with the intuition that you had as a kid because it was stamped out so hard yeah there is this pressure to be hard to be an adult that doesn't cry and doesn't you know, gaze wistfully at the past and, you know, doesn't appreciate things with, you know, a childlike sensibility. But I don't, I don't want to be like that anymore because it just makes you like a husk of yourself. Well, thank you so much, Xenon. It was really quite a pleasure talking to you. It was. I'm, I feel so good about it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. you can find me on instagram and twitter at consent wizard the show is produced and edited by stella hartman beginning and ending music is by me there's sometimes other music by my friend tyler field the podcast logo is by candace ploy goodman For contact information for these exceptionally talented people or to ask a question about boundaries and consent that I'll answer on the show, you can email podcast at sharetheloadinc.com.